Hi, this is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist and nutrition strategist, and you're listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, the show that explores how to heal yourself with food and the power of the mind. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Get Well Soon podcast. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth. Um, please take a moment to like and subscribe and uh, leave us a review. Um, those really help get this podcast out there. Um, share it with as many people as you possibly can. Um, and go and listen to some other of my podcasts with um, health and wellness legends like J.J. Virgin, um, Udo Erasmus from Udo's Oils, uh, Joe Cross, Dr. Debbie Silver, Dr. Pedram Shojai, um, and the list goes on and on. Um, and today, I'm really excited to talk about uh, something that's really near and dear to me really hits home for me because um, it's a diagnosis that I received in 2012. Um, uh, we're talking about fibromyalgia. And so I was diagnosed it, with it um, after after I had received two positive blood tests for mixed connective tissue disease, which is a rare autoimmune disease that break down, breaks down the muscles of the body. Um, and as usual, when I receive a diagnosis, I don't take it as an answer to my symptoms or my problems. I use, use it as a way to find solutions to the problem. And so I'll always say to you to find somebody who has had it and healed it, somebody who specializes in it and has seen it disappear uh, or uh, or have been able to arrest the development of that particular disease because it seems like there's always somebody out there who's done this. So find those those people and follow them, learn from them. Um, and today, um, I am symptom-free from fibromyalgia. I don't own that I have the disease or... Um, or any other for that matter, if a symptom does arise, and sometimes they do, there's always something I can trace it to. I can find that root cause like, hey, I just had a birthday a couple of days ago and I had some sugar in my birthday cake. So I had some symptoms, but I also know how to deal with them. And I also know like, hey, this, this is part of, part of the deal. Um, and this is a lot of this is what we're talking about today is fibromyalgia and the complexity of the disease. And so I brought on um, Dr. Morgan Sinclair and uh, Dr. Casey Sinclair. Um, they're both doctors of chiropractic um, and they're leading holistic healthcare doctors that are trained in functional medicine. So this is a brother and sister duo who've extended their reach around the world by co-founding Family Health Advocacy. It's a health advocacy group led by doctors and health professionals providing resources and education on global health matters. And they've been fortunate enough to act as health consultants to some of the largest companies in North America. And as professional speakers, they have had the privilege of speaking to thousands of people. Dr. Morgan and Dr. Casey are advocates for people suffering with chronic pain and fibromyalgia and have co-authored a book together on the subject. Uh, so today, welcome, uh, Dr. Morgan and Dr. Casey. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to, to be on this podcast with you. Good, I'm glad. You know, we'll, we'll be talking shop and experience, <laughs> yeah, you know, on both sides of the equation of helping people heal from it and in my case, actually having had it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and why was it that you uh, decided to go towards helping people with fibromyalgia? 
Well, just a little bit of background. Um, we are both uh, chiropractors, and uh, we have been practicing for 12 years, but we like to say that we've been practicing 24 years combined. Uh, to sound uh-huh. um, and then on top of that, we, uh, we, we are um, certified uh, functional medicine practitioners. Uh, but, but even beyond that is that we come from a, an entire family of holistic healthcare practitioners. Um, so uh-huh. This isn't just something, um, this isn't just the way we practice, this is the way we were raised. Um, uh-huh. and, awesome. Yeah, so... A lot of things that maybe we experienced as children were probably unconventional to uh, maybe what most people thought of in terms of health. Um, but we definitely come from a place that the body has an incredible uh, ability to heal if we just give um, give it the, the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've come up with a lot of solutions for people as well. Um, so... Well, sorry, I just want to answer the second part of your question. I, sure. Why did we focus on fibromyalgia? In our own, in our own practice, um, we see countless of patients with chronic pain, but a, a growing number of those people are coming in with fibromyalgia. And it's been our observation um, that that segment of our patient base is really confused. Um, yeah. They're searching for answers. Like they're they're – desperate for answers, uh, but they just don't know where to turn. And um, I feel if they're just taking a conventional approach, it's really just limited to taking medication. Um, so they, I, we can see the frustration in their face. They want to get better. They want to heal. And uh, we saw enough of it that we decided that we wanted to dive deep into it and um, help them. So we, I would say as you know, people who suffer from with fibromyalgia, it's it's often misdiagnosed and misunderstood, even when it is properly diagnosed. Um, and that's not just by the patient, but that's also by the people in their life. Um, and their practitioners as well are confused by it. And so when we when we started to see more and more people come into our office with fibromyalgia and we realized they need more, we talked about creating a resource or a toolkit that we could literally put in the hands of these patients because at the end of the day, like you had mentioned, it's a holistic approach. It's a lifestyle approach. Um, it, it's not just that you need to just take this one supplement. It's not just that you need to do this one little exercise. You need to do a full lifestyle change. And so we wanted to create something that these people could um, take home use as a toolkit, um, refer to, and also something that was congruent with what we were teaching in our office that was all natural. And so we, we dove into creating this resource, but as we dove into it, we started to scratch the surface and realize that the statistics with fibromyalgia, um, were pretty surprising. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, I mean, um, in North America, it's two out of every 100 people are being diagnosed with fibromyalgia. That's a Uh, huge number. Yeah. So worldwide, it's, um, I believe, 6% of the the world's population. So if you calculate that out, that's over 450 million people who have been diagnosed with the 
condition. And even if some of the, even if a lot of those conditions are misdiagnosed, they're still dealing with the symptoms of fibromyalgia. Well, they're exactly. Still, they're still suffering either way, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, those numbers are staggering. But just to highlight the confusion that exists, there's a million people uh, Google searching fibromyalgia every single day. So they're lucky for the answers, right? Right. So once we started to uncover these statistics, we thought, you know what? I think we need to do more than just a toolkit. And we need to think further, like outside of our four walls, our, our box. And we created um, an online support group through Facebook group, um, Fibromyalgia Support Group. And we realized like people just started flooding in. And they wanted to connect with other people and they wanted resources. And so we decided at that point um, with the knowledge we had gained and knowing that the desperate need was there, it was time to write a book. Uh, So that's actually one of our most recent accomplishments that we're really excited about. It just came out July 31st. Um, Oh, it's that that recent. Oh, great. Yeah, free yourself from the shackles of fibromyalgia. And um, we're also very excited because we were able to hit uh, a bestseller for Amazon that day. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Which then it kind of reiterates how big of a need there is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you said something too about fibromyalgia and how, how people view the disease, um, people that don't have it. I remember somebody, one of my friends said to me, oh, fibromyalgia, that's sort of the bucket that they throw everybody into when they can't figure out what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And I just remember my heart sink, you know, because it was just sort of the viewpoint that okay, there's something wrong with you and it's it's pretty much in your head. Um, and that's sort of the way I think a lot of people look at it. Like it's it's um, a made up sort of diagnosis. Um, but for a person who's suffering from it, you're in that much pain every day. It's hard to get out of bed. Uh, it's hard to think straight um, because of the brain fog. It's, it's a very real situation. How do you help people who come to your practice who are feeling this way? You know, this is why it's oftentimes referred to it as an invisible illness. Mm -hmm. People don't see, like everybody with fibromyalgia isn't walking around with a cane or using a wheelchair. So it's difficult for those who have never suffered with chronic pain to relate. Um, And if they don't see how this person's struggling and they've never experienced, it's difficult to have the empathy and understanding. So that's definitely a really frustrating component for a lot of patients suffering with fibromyalgia. Um, so, how, so how do we help them when they first, first walk into the office? Um, yeah. When they first walk into the office, Morgan and I, we don't have fibromyalgia, although we've, although we've done all this research on the topic and we help a lot of patients with fibromyalgia. But we certainly have had, um, and I, we still deal with our own chronic pain injuries. Um, okay. Yeah, so I've, I've, I, I won't take up too much time on it, but I've, I've had a, a pretty devastating chronic injury myself where, you know, I, I, I was bedridden for a month. I, at one point, I was walking with a cane. This is from a rock climbing accident and some spinal damage. Um, so, you know what? I, I, I was I was at that point where a lot of people with fibromyalgia are, where you thought this was never going to get better. You know, as I laid there in bed, I couldn't even walk. Um, I, I I was there. I've been there, right? So, um, and, and now I'm doing amazing, right? And I just 
through figuring things out in terms of um, how to handle it. We were talking before the podcast and some of the things that you do. I do the same things. I'm, I'm just navigating on how to heal. And so the first thing I do is let the patient know that I've been there. Um, I totally understand where they're coming from and I acknowledge the fact that not a lot of people in their life do understand where they're coming from. And as soon as we get past that part um, and they know they're at a safe place where we actually understand what, what they're going through, then we can get down to, to healing. That's so, so important. And, you know, when you, you go to a Western medical doctor who's, who's diagnosed you with fibromyalgia, the, the first thing they'll tell you is there is no cure which makes you feel like you're beholden to this pain for the rest of your life. And here's your um, antidepressant, um, which is basically what they do is they put you on Cymbalta or Lexapro, um, which I refused. Um, I said, no, I'll find natural solutions um, for this. And I, of course I did, but um, so that's wonderful that when they get in front of you that, that first time you let them know like, Hey, you I can help you. This is your, this is not a dead end. You're not alone in this. I've had chronic pain and I've healed it. So let's, you know, let's get to work together. So, um, but can I, the re, I, I can't speak for doctors, but I mean, what I believe is the reason is that, um, they say there's no cure. Yeah. Is, and this is what I, well, this is, I, I don't know what their intention behind that is when they say that, but, I would say that in terms of the cure is not the same for every person because the underlying cause, and this is probably what's causing a lot of confusion is everyone with fibromyalgia may be thinking, not everyone, but a lot of people may be thinking that it's the same cause for each person. Meanwhile, what's causing your fibromyalgia may, may be very different than what's causing your friend's fibromyalgia. So they can't be addressed in the same way. Exactly. So it's a very individualized, well, I think all diseases are individualized, you know, just from the work that I've done over the years with how the body remembers experiences and um, helping people with food, you know, that it's, everything's very specific to the individual. So you, in that way, your approach must be unique. Um, Can you tell people a little bit more about your approach and how, when they show up to your office, you can help them with healing? Obviously, obviously, we have, um, you know, even our patients with fibromyalgia, they come in in different uh, levels of optimism towards healing. Um, but many of them do come in and they've been everywhere. They've seen everyone. Um, we're not getting answers that are satisfactory. You mentioned a couple uh, medications there. I think another one's Savella. Uh, that's a common one. Um, and But they're just not happy, right? And they're, they're because they've been everywhere before they've been to you, they're um, skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're, they're ha- they have little hope in healing. And so one of the messages we, we get across to them is that, you know, you may be in a place now where that you don't have any hope of healing and that's okay. Uh, until you're ready, we'll, we'll have the hope for you. And, and hopefully someone else in your personal life will have the hope for you. But if not, we'll, we'll, t- we'll carry that for you. And until we get you to the point where you can see some light at the end of the tunnel, and then we're really moving. So one of the things that um, Dr. Casey mentioned at the beginning when he was talking about um, how we were raised, we were raised with the understanding and belief that the body has an incredible ability to heal. 
but it just needs no interference. So we need, sometimes we need to get stuff out of the way so our body can have the opportunity to heal. And so we also explain to patients, um, there's physical, chemical, and emotional stress. And we all experience it to different degrees and to different ways um, in different experiences. But one of the things we really do need to focus on, because if you're taking action items like taking the right supplements, doing the right exercises, the right postural um, corrections, eating the right foods, but you're still bombarded with physical, chemical, and emotional stress on a daily basis, there's still tons of interference to your body's ability to heal. So we always take the time to um, explain where these stresses may come from and start to bring people to a place where they're going to be more conscious of where these stresses are in their daily life so they can start to remove them and take action items. So that way, with that incongruent with um, doing the changes or the action items that we recommend, they can actually heal and there's no um, nothing really stopping them. So in terms of physical stress, like, and that's how what most people, when you think about stress, most people think about just emotional stress, like financial stress, um, marriage stress, relationship stress, the loss of a loved one stress. That's emotional stress. But physical stress could be, you know, you're cranked over your laptop 40 hours a week at your dining room table because you're working from home now at the time. Yeah changed or you before that, or maybe you're still commuting an hour or two to work back and forth each day. Um, you're hunched over the steering wheel or physical yeah, physical labor job. Um, you've had car accidents, maybe a sporting injury that was never dealt with. Um, yeah, it starts at the birth process, C-section, vacuum forceps. If you've seen it, you know, it's traumatic on such a small being. Um, so there's a there's many different physical stresses that we experience, um, and some can be acute, like I said, like the car accident or the major trauma, and some is a repetitive strain that we deal with every day, like even carrying a heavy purse on your shoulder every day. Yeah. Physical stress that we sometimes the wallet in your back pocket for men. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, oh wow, that has something to do with my back, my lower back pain. You know, yes. um, and then there's the. Um, Emotional stress, which, like we mentioned, is pretty, um, it's what people relate stress to be, um, like financial stress, relationship stress, um, past, past history. Um, yeah. Yes, of course, that's what I deal with is the past traumas and how those affect uh, the disease state. So, yeah. And sometimes that's even subconscious before you're even consciously able to. Um, process this at like an age of like six or seven, maybe things happen younger than that, that you haven't even maybe been aware of or haven't tapped into. Then there's also um, toxic stress. So chemical stress and okay. so environmental influences. Absolutely. So there's, um, you know, the personal care products, there's toxic yeah. Let me ask you real quick, what are you seeing in terms of environmental stresses and its relationship to fibromyalgia? What do you see in your practice as things that, any patterns that you see are kind of... Like what are common uh, chemical stresses that our patients are... Okay, well, um, sometimes patients come into my office and I'll ask them if they're on any medications and they'll produce an eight-page foldout of uh, medications that they're on and I'm and. Right away, I'm saying, I tell them that's pretty toxic. Yeah. Well, those are all chemicals. And obviously, that's a conversation you need to have with your medical doctor, but uh, it looks quite overwhelming. Uh, 
and just to look at that piece of paper, I'm wondering what it's doing to the inside of your body. So what's uh, one stress that a lot of people are on, but there's preservatives in foods, uh, artificial flavors and artificial colorings, um, antibiotic exposure, hormones, um, heavy, metal, heavy metal residues in our, in our drinking water, uh, the toxins in our personal care products, especially for women, um, typically, because uh, they usually wear more um, cosmetics and uh, rub more creams on their body. Um, deodorants, uh, even in our shampoos and soaps, there's toxins. So these are the common things that people need to start looking at. Um, and then, of course, there's household products uh, that they're using to, you know, in their dishwasher and their bleaches. Bleaches. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had to cut out all bleach <sighs> stuff. Just yeah, so clean it burn my lungs. Yeah. You know, for starters. Yeah, the fumes, but also you know you have somebody who just bleaches a counter and then they go to cook and your their food's touching the counter. Well, exactly. We forget that there's residues, but all of this increases inflammation and causes acidity in the body, which increases pain. Um, and some bodies are more sensitive to others uh, than other bodies to toxic to toxins and have had a larger toxic load. Um, and as a result, that can present as symptoms. So that, I mean, we, we, we take the time to educate our patients on these stresses because we want them to start to become more aware of their day to day and their environment. And that's really important in the healing process. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so environmental toxins. I know you guys do talk a lot about uh, food, um, diet specifically. And I know one of the things that comes up a lot is, um, and something that, that I, I saw in your ebook, um, is specifically about meat. A lot of people think that the vegan diet or vegetarian diet is the best thing ever. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to tell people don't eat that way, but I do want to know how um, you see like grass fed beef and all of that or meats support the body. Yeah. So um, I'm the vegetarian of the two of us, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm actually pregnant right now and I've had a discussion with my partner. Who's a, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Who's a, my partner's a, a meat eater. Uh -huh. And she's like, well, are we going to, you know, raise our children to eat meat or not? And I said, well, I have no qualms about it. Um, mostly I'm a huge animal lover, but, um, I said, the one thing I, I am not, I'm not okay with is the conventional meat that you get from, you know, obviously fast food or the grocery store that's factory farmed. And again, they're experiencing physical, chemical, and emotional stress. They're often fed food that they're not naturally raised on um so like cows usually eat grass and all of a sudden they're being raised on grains and they're being pumped full of hormones so they grow faster and then they're vaccinated because they're living in a very unsterile environment um and then you're getting the residues of everything uh, antibiotics um these animals are on antibiotics often because they're dealing with infections and then on an emotional level energy level what are these animals going through and does that carry through um to you know into their meat i don't know but um that's something that yeah they've done studies on that actually and it, they, they see that there is a, a a correlation between a stressed out animal who's in a small space and the the um the health of the the animal and then that means the health of what you're eating yeah 
they say it's not so much what you're eating, it's also what you're eating ate. Mm -hmm. So we need why when we look at meat, I think it's really important to go to a local farmer or um, butcher who um, will tell you where this meat came from or knows firsthand where it came from and knows what it's been fed. And I know you mentioned grass-fed, organic. And and one of the things that turn a lot of people off is the cost of it um, and the inconvenience or what they perceive as that to have to go to the butcher rather than just the grocery store. But I think that when you're eating something so high up in the food chain, it's really important to make these these investments in time, energy, and money um, to have quality meats. And that's um, that's going to make a massive difference because it's it affects your body and it'll affect your, um, like for instance, the, the difference between the essential fatty acids or mega ratio in a, a grass fed meat compared to a factory meat is com- the factory meats completely distorted when the grass fed meat provides you with what you need. So there's much more nutritional value in those meats. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, you just mentioned too, um, overcoming objections, you know, um, because a lot of people are, are eating all the things you're telling them not to eat. And that's, creating the inflammation in the body and the pain and it's adding to it, I should say, you know, from the sugar and the bad fats and grains and caffeine and aspartame, you know, all of the, the different uh, gluten, dairy, <laughs> the things I have specialized in as a chef. Um, so when you have people that are coming in with objections about, you know, the time that it's going to take them and they say they don't have the money, um, or, you know, how expensive it's going to be. What kinds of things do you tell your patients? So this is, well, first of all, this is something we should have probably addressed at the beginning of the podcast mm-hmm. is everybody knows that, you know, eating an apple is healthier than eating a bag of chips. But yeah. so many people just will reach for the bag of chips first and just make the unwise choice. And when patients come into our office, we have to get a we have to first address what what their reason for being there in the first place is. So, if someone comes into my office and I ask them, you know, why are you here and what do you want to get out of this, and if their answer is simply, I just don't want to be in pain anymore, um, that's not uh, a powerful enough motivation for them to start making the actual changes and taking the action steps and following. Um, our, our advice or, or their other healthcare um, practitioners' advice. Um, so it's got to be deeper than that. So, you know, for some, when we, and when we do dig deeper, we do realize that there's patients that, you know, they're, they're in so much pain. Um, you know, if they have grandchildren, they can't even bend over to pick up their grandson or granddaughter to give them a hug. And, and may, maybe they're, they're thinking, oh, I, I don't want to be in pain, but what's the reason for not? not being in pain what is it you actually want to get out of this what's your big why is what we call it and um for other people it might be uh, getting down on the floor rolling around with their kids and playing uh some people you know can't run anymore and they want to get back to running um i've had patients i've had patients who they've got so much widespread pain in their arms that they can't you know i have this one patient um 
her seems like her whole sole purpose is to knit little blankets for uh, these infant babies that are going to arrive soon. That's so um, sweet. Yeah, she got in so much pain that she couldn't knit the blankets anymore. But initially, initially when she comes in, she just doesn't want to be in pain. But when you get dig down to it, what is it? She wants to get back to doing something, something she loves to do. Um, for other people, it might be, I don't know, being able to go for a hike in the woods. Um, yeah. You know, so this is really, yeah. you're really hitting on the individualized motivations as to why you're there in the first place. And then mm-hmm. it goes deeper yeah. than just, I don't want to hurt anymore. Yeah. And if you can, if you can figure what it, their big why is and anchor to that, then they're more likely to start making the right decisions, maybe making a, a, a little bit more of an investment in right, the right foods to eat. Um, maybe they'll start to reach for the apple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reaching for the apple. But, um, you know, some of the, like the, again, going back to the toolkit this is why we created the, the book. And in the book, we do recommend some certain meal plans. And that's why we created the support group online is because sometimes it's overwhelming for people who've eaten the standard American diet the whole entire life. They've never been exposed to healthier choices. And it can be extremely overwhelming uh, when you're diagnosed with fibromyalgia and you're well, like, what is gluten? What is insulin? And all these terms that are brand new. And, and now I need to find it in this food that I've eaten every day. Um, so reaching out and creating a community is and support working with the community is really important. Um, and having some fun with it, like trying not to think it's too daunting. So for instance, last night I had cauliflower fried rice. There was no rice in it. It's just a uh, shredded up cauliflower, add some peas and carrots and we fried it up and it's delicious. It's better than any fried rice I've ever had, but it was the base is made out of a superfood, which is cauliflower. And we had fun with it. And so there are easy um, alternatives available, but I would not have even thought about the idea. It happened to be that I was cooking with a friend and it was something that they had been exposed to. So in my community, I now know how to make a healthier dish. So I think um, connecting with people, opening up fun, healthy um, books, learning how to cook and, and trying to stay positive about the whole experience is important because it's easily overwhelming. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. I know when you see that list for the first time, and this happened with me. I was 27 when I was told I had to cut out gluten, dairy, food chemicals, all of that. And that was everything I'd been eating. And um, I walked into Whole Foods Market for the first time. It was like 25 years ago. And um, I looked around at the little boxes and Whole Foods wasn't a big thing back then. It was just, they were just starting to get to be known, I guess. And um, I burst into tears and I left the store because I didn't know what to do next and I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. and, you know, and then I proceeded to basically starve myself because I didn't know what to eat. Um, and I think so many people are having, going through this situation. Um, but now there's so many more products. I mean, there's, they're all over the place. You can go into any grocery store now and get products that are gluten-free and, um, get all kinds of ideas, and I think people are more into uh, cooking for themselves and learning that, you know, because there's a lot of cook, uh, cooks now that are, um, you know, showing this, us that. And yeah. there are a couple things that you said over and over, and that was fun. Have fun with it. Make this a positive experience. Make mm-hmm. it an experience where your your family's involved, you know. Um, 
I, I, you know what? I really like that you shared that experience of walking to Whole Foods and walking out crying. Um, I've never, I like that's not happened to me, but I felt that way. Like overwhelmed where you just shut down and you're like, I don't know. Like if you're looking at it, you've been told to take a certain supplement, you walk into a supplement store, you know exactly what you need, but still there's like 12 kinds of them. You're just like, <laughs> okay, hold it, hold it. But um, one thing is, is oftentimes we're trained, especially if, again, if you've been raised in the conventional um, way that you know, there's a quick fix. This is where you thought you think there's a quick fix. It's this pill. It's going to, it really just masks the symptoms and it really deals with the underlying problem. But, and we're trained to think that symptoms are the problem, which is also a major problem on its own because they're very different. But when we're looking at healing from fibromyalgia and chronic illness, it's a lifestyle change and there's no quick switch. There's no quick pill. It's an experience and it's an, it, it's an adventure and it needs to have, and it, it's usually a slow transition. And yeah. some people just have this expectation that tomorrow I'm going to feel better because I'm making all of these changes. Well, all of those changes also aren't going to happen overnight. So it's just take it step by step, slow down. Um, just know that it is a healing journey and um, there's no quick fix um, oftentimes when we're told there's a quick fix, there's a, uh, it's, it's not totally the truth. So, um, reach out and, you know, look for support and know that you have to be patient. It, your body didn't usually, like most people with fibromyalgia and chronic illness, it, you didn't wake up one day and have all of your symptoms. Yeah. They come on slowly. That's for sure. <laughs> and usually they go away slowly. But as long as you're moving in the right direction, health is really a spectrum. On one end, you have like absolute death. And on the other hand of the spectrum, you have absolute life, vitality. And, and every single one of us are sitting somewhere different on this spectrum. But we need to remember that where we're sitting doesn't necessarily matter most. What matters most is which direction we're moving in. Uh, that's great. That's a great way to put it. Oh, there's, I think one arena I really need to address um, is because I know a lot of my listeners are um, abuse survivors um, because I, I work with abuse survivors with chronic illness and holistic wellness and the emotions and how the body holds emotions and helping them release it. And I find a significant change in them after they're able to release the emotional energy in the body. Um and there is a major link between fibromyalgia and um, uh, things that have happened to you in the past. And this could be all kinds of traumas. Um, we talked, we started to talk about this a little bit before the podcast. We were just kind of touching base and getting to know each other a little bit. And um, can you address some of the things that you might see in your practice in terms of trauma and how the body is affected by that trauma and how you help them? So, I mean, we mentioned earlier with the three forms of stresses with emotional stress, of course, past history um, of abuse and stress that hasn't been dealt with is often manifests as symptoms in your body. And also those who are suffering will also notice that during times of stress, they oftentimes have flare ups. Um, with their symptoms. Um, so we know that there's a strong relationship between emotional stress and our, and our physical symptoms. 
Oftentimes I, I say it's our body's way of speaking to us through physical symptoms because it doesn't have the human English language. So we oftentimes harbor these emotions and they have no other way to communicate. So then they manifest as symptoms. Obviously, physical stresses, we explained that earlier, that's very mechanical. Um, yeah. And if you're, if you have, if you have, if you're dealing, talking about emotional stress um, or even physical stress and you have it and, you, and it's unresolved and it's ongoing, then obviously it's a chronic stress. We know that that leads to a chronic release of cortisol in your body. And obviously that cortisol is not inherently bad. It's just meant to be released um, in short bursts for, for dealing with just normal stress, uh, but not chronic stress, right? And so when we're in a state of chronic stress and we're getting that chronic release of cortisol, we know um, that that's, that causes um, chronic linked to chronic pain throughout the body. We know it causes fatigue, um, brain, it's linked to brain fog, um, muscle weakness, all sorts of um, physical symptoms um, that are due to that uh, chronic emotional stress that you've been dealing with. Right. Um, and well, they've also, the studies have shown that the release of cortisol over time, especially as for children who went through it every day, they were sort of in this, felt like they were in this war zone every single day, um, can become toxic to the body over time mm-hmm. um, and create all kinds of other problems. Now, you you talked a little bit too about um, uh, car accidents um, or different types of accidents and how that affects the body and how that connects to fibromyalgia. Well, um I see. So, oh, yeah, we talked before the podcast. I don't have that piece of research on him, but what I was saying is there is. Um, uh, I think there's a couple studies that just uh, show that for many fibromyalgia sufferers, um, a road traffic accident is the precursor event that um, led to the diagnosis. And obviously, like any physical stress, I think in that particular study, they just focused on road traffic accidents. But I mean, you could apply this to any physical stress. Anytime there's a physical stress, that can create um, um, interference to your nervous system. It can um, create misalignments in your spine. um, That can cause interference to the spinal cord, uh, nerve roots. Um, And that's how your body heals. Your Your nervous system controls every cell, gland, organ, and tissue inside your body. Um, but and but if if those aren't corrected, that can create further damage to you know tendons and ligaments and creates chronic inflammation once again. That always comes back to inflammation, uh, which is linked to chronic pain symptoms and symptoms, symptoms of fibromyalgia. And, then, and isn't fibromyalgia considered a disease of the nervous system? Well, it's definitely it's more complex than that. Well, <laughs> that there's definitely nervous system involvement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, okay, this is great. So lots of great information. Now, um, can you tell people how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you? And also, you've got free ebooks. Talk about those a little bit. Well, you can buy an ebook, you can buy a paperback book now. Um, so I think the free ebooks are available at familyhealthadvocacy.com. Um, and if you want uh, a copy of our book, Free Yourself oh, from the Shackles of Fibromyalgia, those are available on Amazon. And it's both Kindle or paperback. And right now we actually have an amazing sale on. Um, and to get in touch with us, uh, you can reach out through our website at streetsvillechiropractic.com. We're on Instagram as Doctors Sinclair. 
Um, or you can reach us through our natural health website, which is familyhealthadvocacy.com. And um, our online Facebook group is the Fibromyalgia Support Group. Yep. Um, and, you'll, and there you'll find a lot of other people who are in a similar situation dealing with fibromyalgia, so you can share. Uh, but also we are constantly um, providing content in there to help all the members. And in, in that group, we actually created a, a video series. So those who are looking for more information or tangible action, action items, um, the video series is great for that. Um, and then for anyone listening to the podcast who is not sure that they have fibromyalgia and they're just kind of thinking they might and they don't have an official diagnosis, we have, if you go to familyhealthadvocacy.com, we have a, um, a questionnaire that you can walk yourself through. It's not a diagnostic tool, but it'll give you a good idea um, if you are somebody who is suffering with fibromyalgia and then to move forward in finding that diagnosis. It's called the online fibromyalgia test. Oh, okay. Oh, that's great. That would be very helpful for people. Because I know a lot of people are suffering out there from chronic illness, from chronic pain, and they don't necessarily have answers and they don't necessarily know what to do. So you provide a lot of different things for people. So that's great. Um, is there a message that you want to send out to every chronic illness patient out there? Yes. Um we know that uh, dealing with that condition can be quite lonely. Um, so one of the things you have to tell yourself is that you're not alone. There are plenty of other people who are in the same situation as you or similar, and they're fighting their battles just like you are. And you know what? Um, even if it's not someone in your community that you know that has fibromyalgia, just know that everybody's got something going on. Everyone, everyone has their thing. So, no one's living the easy life. Um, and it just, for me, even for me with my chronic pain injury, uh, I got comfort to know that I'm not the only one dealing with something, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you can at least accept that part of it, um, that's a big step. And then, uh, again, like I said, uh, you want to get to the point where you actually have hope where you can start to heal. And until that point comes, uh, at least find someone else who, who, a practitioner or someone close to you will have that hope for you. Okay, great. All right. And do you have anything else you would add to that, Morgan? Um, I think I've mentioned it a few times, and I, I, but I don't think I can mention it enough. Um, find a community, join groups. We're in the age where we have so many social online groups for fibromyalgia and different platforms and websites. And there's also many fibromyalgia support chapters in communities. And if you're in North America and Canada or the United States, if you just Google fibromyalgia support group and your town name or, or main city, there's probably a group near you who either meet in person right now, probably virtually, but meet in person and um, know that yeah, you're not alone and, and reach out and, and find those resources in the community with you. Yeah, it's so great when you're in those group settings too, because you'll see people that are all, at all different stages of healing and they'll be able to share their stories and what they used and their inspiration. And that's huge, mm -hmm. huge for helping everybody. So, well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast today. 
I really appreciate the work that you're doing in the world and the ways that you're helping people. Um, so, and thank you listeners um, for listening to this podcast to please uh, go ahead and share it with as many people as you think might benefit. And from the statistics that uh, Morgan and Casey have quoted here today, uh, this is a really high, high number of people that are suffering, suffering with chronic pain. Um, and that invisible illness of fibromyalgia uh, the invisible illness where the person looks fine, they look great, they look healthy, they look amazing, but they're in massive pain and they're canceling things with family and friends left and right because they, they it hurts to move. Um, so thank you so much for the work that the two of you do to help unwind all of that. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. You're so welcome. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. And I seriously hope that this information has helped you get well now. For more information, go to meghayworth.com to sign up for our email list, get your free copy of five anti-inflammatory on-the-go lunch recipes, and access to our private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening.